Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, the horn. Let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play football. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young and educated play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Since we have to do this, I'm going to come out swinging. Tom, was that not the most uninspired Alabama performance since the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma capping the 2013 season? Man, you know, this game was a little different in that, in that at least when they played Oklahoma, you know, they, they had 500 yards of offense and they, you know, established the run and, and they they at least tried to have a semblance of a balanced offense. And in this game, to me, this was the formula that that they had done earlier in the year, where where Jalen carries the ball way too many times, and they put too much on his shoulders, and uh, they weren't able to hold the ball. And um, you know this this to me was probably Jalen's worst performance as a quarterback at Alabama. The absolute worst. I would say definitely worse this season. Um, I don't want to dig out too many of the games from last year, but uh, yeah, this, I would say this ranks this ranks down there. It wasn't for a lack of effort, and he still had a lot of poise, and all of those those things remain. But yeah, there were a lot of things that sort of went sour in this game. And and if you were to and you hit the nail on the head, if you were to distill this game down, you know what happened? Third down happened, and on both sides of the ball, third down happened. And that's really the story of the game. Why don't you jump us into offense? I know we started a little bit about Jalen. Jump us into offense. And and uh, speaking of third downs, three of eleven. That's pretty. That's pretty poor, huh? Well, man. To be fair to to be fair to Jalen, what I meant by that comment, you know, he is gonna, you know, he is gonna take the brunt because he is the leader of the offense. And so when games go well, he's gonna get more praise, and when games don't go as well, he's gonna get more criticism. That's the nature of the position, right? It is. And unfortunately, in this offense, sometimes we don't even know how often he calls, you know, which option he's picking. We don't know how many, we don't know what percentage of the time the plays are decided by him. You know, I've heard other coaches with their teams say that the quarterback is making a call on every single play. So I'd love someone to ask Saban that question. He wouldn't answer the question, but I'd love to know what percentage of the times is Jalen, you know, picking out of two or three options for whatever he sees when he calls the play. So we don't know that, okay? But what I do know is 
is that we've had games against lesser opponents this year where Jalen has carried the ball uh, as many times as all the under all the other running backs combined, right? And we've talked about how that's not a formula that works for this team. This team has to establish the run, and this team has to be able to control the ball, and this team has to be able to wear teams out. And so I think had they had they come had they come out the way they came out to start the second half, had they started this football game off this way and taken some of the pressure off Jalen and let this offensive line do what they're really good at doing, I think this would have been a drastically different football game. Well, even even if the play calling had remained consistent, right, it looked like coming out of half that the right adjustment had been made. And, you know, Alabama drove the ball down the field uh, some real uh, inspired running, and it looked like, okay, okay, this is what I signed up for. This is what I expected, and if this is what we're going to get a steady dose of, then this game is going to go the way that we want it to go. Uh, and then that just seemed – that possession seemed almost like an oasis in the desert, right? We didn't go back to that. And and you mentioned sort of the, the, the ratio, Jalen getting as many carries as the others – well, you know, he had 17 carries and, you know, the three other backs had six apiece. So that's 18. So, you know, that's close enough for government work, right? Yes. And, and, and some of that is him scrambling. Okay. And so once again, we don't know if a pass was called. We don't know if he just, you know, took it away from the run option. So some of that, you know, I have to be fair. I don't know. Some of this when he was scrambling counts as a, as a carry, right? Regardless, sure, you cannot have a guy with Damian Harris's ability and then with Bo and the way Josh has been running as of late, just to name the first three guys. You know, we talked about this before the before the game. We talked about the stable of running backs and the stable of wide receivers and the talent he had around them and being multiple in offense and and Kevin Steele's head swimming because he wouldn't know where it's coming from. We didn't do any of that, man. We didn't make this a hard game for Kevin Steele, in my opinion. I, I think, you know, to be fair uh, all the way around, I think this was Brian Dayball's worst game as a coordinator. Now, mm-hmm. once again, we don't know who was calling the plays. We don't know how many times Saban, you know, changed the play that Dayball called. I'm sure it wasn't a lot. We don't know how many times. But just didn't love the game plan coming into this game at all. No, and, and it sort of begs – it sort of begs the question, and, and we've used this sort of, you know, talking point in in previous weeks. It makes you wonder, like, what were the conversations during the week? Did we take did we take things out of the game plan on Tuesday that, gosh, we really wish we had had in the game plan? You know, those are the types of questions that I start to have because it did look, it did look uninspired. It did look sort of disconnected, and you don't just forget how to do that, right? You don't forget how to have uh, a connected game plan. And it seemed like we had moments, and again, coming out of half, right? It seemed like we had moments, but we didn't string that together. We should have come out with a second possession and said, "We're gonna give me that play sheet, give me that call sheet again. We're going to run those plays, for, you know, we're going to run them again. And, um, but, but we didn't, you know, we went to a, we went to try to do something else. And, and it's almost like, it's almost like we outsmarted ourselves or tried to outsmart ourselves. And, and there's some other things, you know, in the game that I saw that, you know, we can kind of point to that as well. But it's like we came out 
early trying to be aggressive. That put us behind the sticks. We wanted to just run the quarterback because it's like we believed all the media that Jalen was going to be the difference maker, right? It's like we fell into all the traps that we typically don't fall into. And I wonder if that's not a sign of 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 us just being too tight. Um, and I know, I know, you know, I mean, God bless Saban, we love him, but sometimes it just seems like he gets tight in games and, and that makes the team tight. Uh, and then it sort of, sort of wraps around itself. No, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. And, and you know, coming out of the half, you know, when we did get, you know, we did have the ball cause we deferred, you know, I, I, in hindsight, I'm glad we scored, but I wish it would have taken longer. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it was five plays to go 79 yards, and we only took a minute and 38 seconds off the clock. But to your point, Damien has a 31-yard carry, Bo has a 14-yard carry, and then Bo has a 21-yard carry for a touchdown. And so literally on four straight running plays, we went from our 33-yard line to you know to score. Mm-hmm. And But on those plays, David, that was the meat and potatoes of this Alabama football team. Okay, that was a successful running game with two tight ends in the game. Irv Smith was trapping, making, you know, knocking uh, people off the ball or yep. kicking people out, excuse me, you know, in from the H-back position. And, you know, after that drive, I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, now Alabama's ahead 14 to 10, and we've got the momentum now. And so now we're going to go back to this when we get the ball back. And to your point, you know, Auburn gets a field goal, and so we're still ahead. We don't need to panic. And then the very next damn drive, you know, um, the very next drive, we're sitting here and Bo runs for five yards on first down. Okay, that's great, second and five. He doesn't get a gain on the next play. And then on third and five, you know, we throw a pass to Bo and it goes for four yards, and we were left one yard short. Yep. Well, guess what? There was, there was a few times that, you know, we didn't get to the sticks. And so, to your point, we have to sit there on that next drive and we have to say, okay, you know, to me, I, I, do, I do criticize the coaches here because they went into halftime looking at the stat sheet. They knew at halftime that Auburn had run 42 plays. They knew when we played Mr. Football, uh, excuse me, Johnny Manziel, I shouldn't call him the other name because I can't stand the other name, when we played Texas A&M that year and, and we had, you know, given up all those plays um, and then we proceeded to play LSU into overtime and give up 80-something plays, we know 80-something plays is a recipe for disaster. Well, if you're sitting there at halftime and you've got a depleted defense, you've got depth issues at linebacker, um, Auburn's got, you know, one running back healthy and they've already run 42 plays and the quarterback, by the way, for Auburn has attempted 20 passes in the first half. He's already attempted 20 little, you know, sideline pass crap, which they call passes. You, 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 you have to be sitting there in the locker room and saying, we are going to run the ball. Right. I mean, they've already run 42 plays. We're going to get worn out. And what's so funny is, is after the game, Gus Malzahn, you know, or he tells the he tells the commentators before the game, he said, you know, because we've only got one running back, 
you know, we're going to try to keep Carrion Johnson fresh so in the fourth quarter we can give him the ball ten times. Yep. Dude, that sounds like Alabama, right? Not yeah. freaking Auburn. So, so to Gus Malzahn's credit, he was smart enough to say, you know, I've only got one horse. I can only probably give him 25 to 30 carries. I need 10 carries from him in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to come out in the first half, and I'm going to make my quarterback throw the ball 20 times because I've got to conserve the legs of my running back. And so when you hear things like that, you do think to a certain extent we were outcoached in this game. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, right? And and we, it seems like we very easily could have taken a, a page from the Mississippi State playbook and, and tried intentionally to possess the ball more in the second half. And so you come out with a first possession and you drive the field on four runs. Okay, we're not going to hold that against you. But on the on the ensuing possessions, let's keep the ball on the ground. Let's Huddle. drive. And you talked about the second possession where, you know, we went to Bo, uh, you know, a couple times. And I'm not mad at, you know, sort of doing a flare pass with him. Um, I, I, I wish that he would have anticipated the DB coming at him low and, uh, and, and, was more evasive. I think if he had gotten around that guy, he would have really, you know, busted a, a, a really big play. And so some of it's execution, some of it's play call, but I, it just, it just seems like we got tighter and tighter and didn't, and didn't say, look, let's take a deep breath. Let's eat some clock and let's pound the ball out because we think we can, you know, we think we can do that. And, you know, we're going to run to the edges. We're going to toss sweep. We're going to run some powers um, you know, bring in the two tight ends and uh, and see if we can replicate some of some of that success. And and I think we would have been able to. All right, so I, I have to jump in here. So so my point about the play to Bo, you had just had the drive before because they 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 weren't stacking the box. You had just run the ball for a thirty-one yard run, a fourteen yard run, and a twenty-one yard run. The next play, the next series, the first play on the next series, you run for five yards. Well, guess what? Just because you gain no yards on second down, you just ran the ball down their throat for 80 yards on the first drive. So with all due respect to that play, that was a Lane Kiffin call. I'm sorry. Some of the time I was watching this in the second half, I'm like, is Lane Kiffin calling the damn plays? Because, because right there, you don't put Bo in, an, in a situation to be successful where you throw it to the sideline where you allow the little bitty baby DB to use the sideline to knock him out of bounds. And so I will tell you, if you didn't want to run on third and five because you've been chewing them up on the series before, David, then you do a play action to Bo up the middle and you throw it to the tight end over the hash like we saw a few weeks ago for an yeah. easy first down. Yeah. Okay? So either you run the ball between the tackles where Bo is running downhill, right? Or you throw the ball to a tight end on a play-action pass. But I'm sorry. That was a crappy play call. You gave, you gave the little DB a higher percentage likelihood of making a play at Bo's legs by doing that play to the sideline like that. So I'm going to say two things that sound contradictory. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with I agree with you. We could have definitely done something different, and we could have done a play that played off of, like you said, a play action that played off of the run action. I have a soft spot in my heart for getting the ball to a running back in the flats, in space, 
So I like that play. Um, so I'm not mad at it, probably just because I like it. Uh, I think it could have been executed a little bit better. But I don't take away from your point. We could have definitely, you know, as soon as you, you know, were thinking, you know, or explaining, you know, I'd, I almost said tight end out loud at the same time you did, right? Because that that would have been a nice, sweet, uh, uh, you know, pitch and catch to, you know, to Irv Smith in a situation like that. So, you know, I – I agree with you. Um, let's talk about you mentioned um, short of the sticks, right? <laughs> I I had to apologize for, uh, apologize to my TV for uh, for the profanity I flung at it when uh, Robert Robert Foster uh, did not make the first down on uh, a real critical uh, possession later in the game. That is inexcusable. That is absolutely inexcusable. There is no way to candy coat that. You are a fifth-year senior. You have lots of experience in the program, okay? You run. You are taught. You are taught from a young age. You run past the sticks, so when you have to come back to the ball and come back to the quarterback, you are still past the first down marker. It is not the first time we've seen it. It's not the last time we're going to see it, but it's inexcusable at this level. Know where your feet are is the edited version of you know what I was saying uh, Saturday, Saturday night because uh, he had it right he he had it and uh, and it would have been the route wouldn't have been any harder it was another yard everything would have executed exactly as it did except for he would have ha- except for he just would have gone down with the first down but he didn't run past the first down David to right. start his route. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if and he ran so, the route, and and the, and it was so close that you know it's not a three yard versus we're asking you to run eight yards. It's it's another stride. It's half a stride. It's running at a little bit of an angle. He was so close that it was it was an immaterial difference. And I have to think that the route was designed to go beyond. Um, because I mean, why would you run it yes. so short? Yes, but but even though he didn't run the route long enough. He still, because of his speed and his athleticism, he still created separation where after he caught the ball, he has to have an awareness of where he is, and he has to say, instead of trying to make a, to make a guy miss here to get another 10 yards, my team needs me to get a first down and move the sticks. Right. And I got to tell you, as soon as he made that play, you know what I said? I said... Jerry Judy would have made that play. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it like I see it. Jerry Judy would have made that play and would have had an awareness of where he was supposed to be. And there's a reason why Robert Foster does not get the snaps that, 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 you know, that he's lost some snaps in this offense. Yeah. And I'm sorry. It's not just him. Maybe some other guys would have made that play as well. But in that situation, you've got to make that play. Just like going back to Bo, Bo's got to have an awareness that, hey, I'm at the sideline. I've gone four yards. I need another yard. I've got to spin here. I've got to I've got to hesitate and let this guy come at my feet. I've got to try to put my hand down and push him down. I've got to try to lay on him and stick the ball out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to have an awareness that by damn, I'm gonna get that, I'm gonna get that next yard however I need to get it. Right. Period. All ten guys are gonna to have to come over here and tackle me because I'm gonna get a yard. Right. And so and so unfortunately, 
you know, those are those are two situations that are really, really bad breaks because, you know, then we proceed to have the, you know, the uh, the field goal debauchery, which we'll talk about in a minute after Bose. But there's two situations where, you know, Auburn, you know, you're still very much in the game and two third and fours, you can't stay on the two third and fives. You can't stay on the field because you just get four yards. Right. What, what do you want to hit next? You talked, uh, you talked about the field goal. Uh, you want to talk about that? You want to talk about uh, some of the, some of the bad snaps? Uh, I want to, I want to talk real quick about, about where was Damian Harris? I'm sorry. Damian Harris has earned the right to be the starting running back on this team. Damian Harris has made numerous big plays for you on this in this game. Excuse me for this for this team this season. Um, we've talked about he probably has the best vision of anybody. No offense to Josh Jacobs. No offense to anybody else. But the fact that Damian Harris and Bo and Josh each had six carries is abysmal. It's embarrassing, and they played right into Auburn's hands, in my opinion. Yeah, I they they could have all they could have easily all had double that many carries, and um, I I think the outcome of the game. I, look, I don't want to get on here and sound sour grapes and stuff like that, but you know one of the things we do is sort of break down what do we like and what do we did not did you know didn't like you know about the game. Obviously, we didn't like the final score, but there were things about the game that we didn't like. And, and not running the ball and not sticking with the run is certainly one of those things. So I'd, I'm not going to predict a different final score. Um, well, I, look, I'll predict a different final score. We score more than 14 points. I, I, is that enough to change the outcome of the game? You know, that's another discussion. But they should have each gotten, you know, twice as many carries. And then I do think we're looking at, uh, I do think we're looking at a different outcome. Let me ask you this. What do you think is your answer to why that happened? Because instead, you know, we, we knew going into this game that Auburn had, you know, might they might have had the best front four in the SEC. The, the, the coaching staff watched them play Georgia, right? They watched the pressure that they put on Georgia. Do you think that they saw – uh, Georgia, who was rushing for 300 yards a game and, and had 22 yards at some point in the game. I mean, do you think they psyched themselves out? Do you think they came into this and just said, gosh, well, Georgia couldn't run the ball against them. We're, we're not going to be able to run the ball with against them. I mean, did they did they psych themselves out? Or, or surely after that big drive to start the second half, they should have said, oh, we were wrong. We can run the ball against them. I mean, well, what, what, what happened, man? And that's what I didn't understand is – is why we didn't stick. Why we didn't stick with that? Why did why we didn't force that a little bit more? And you know, it, like if we're in the Middle Ages, right? I, I I would be tried for you know blasphemy, right? But there's I, I think in big games like this, we outthink we outthink ourselves, and and I think that we went into and all the media was like. It's going to be a close game. I'm going to, you know, those that picked Alabama said, I'm picking Alabama because I think Jalen's going to be the X factor. And it's almost like we let that dictate the play calling. And I think if we had stuck to, here's the irony, right? You can't, your, your X factor can't be the person that you make run all the plays, right? The X factor is like sprinkled on top. And if we had 
dedicated if the if the game plan had dedicated more fiercely towards the run and then you sprinkle in Jalen being dynamic with the ball well then you actually boost both right and it, and it helps the passing game so I just I just think I just think I think I mean it's this it's the stupid rat poison thing it's almost like we went in believing yeah the media's right Jalen's the X factor Let's give them the ball as many times as we can. And I know that's not literally what happened. It just, man, it just has the look and feel of that. Well, it just it just really frustrates me that that we got out of what, you know, works for us. And to your point of establishing the run, I think that would have created more play action pass opportunities for Jalen, which would have, you know, which would have really benefited him. Right. Even on the touchdown to Jerry Judy. Okay, what was that? You know, that was a design run to Jalen that was called to be a play. It, we ran a play-action play with our quarterback being the runner to then throw to Jerry Judy. Which, well, I think that was a rollout designed to hit Cal underneath, and and he actually got tripped, and, and that could have been flagged, and it wasn't. But uh, he And then he had to go somewhere with the ball, and so he put it up. Uh, and either Judy was going to catch it or no one did. And fortunately, he did because that was a, um, you know, that was a big play. But uh, I, I think that was more of a rollout, uh, and and Cal was running a crossing, uh, a crossing pattern. Well, I, I saw I saw Calvin, you know, had gotten tripped, and so obviously Calvin was probably his first option. But we were just very fortunate for Jerry to catch that ball, right? I mean, oh yeah, he just yeah. Kind of heaved it up there. Um, talk to me real quick about Jalen's decision to throw uh, in the back of the end zone, which could have been intercepted when, you know, every, every possession is, is, is important at that point, you know, that that's, that's him reverting back to, you know, to, to being a freshman there. What, what do you think was up with that? Yeah, that was a dangerous play. And, you know, it's the kind of thing we kidded about, you know, the week prior uh, and, and I get it was Mercer, but in the week prior, uh, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, isn't that the smart idea to throw to your tall receiver in a jump ball situation? And obviously this was further down the field. So it's, it's, it's a, a, a less precise pass. Uh, and then you've got your smaller, you know, receiver in a double team. And we are just incredibly lucky that that ball wasn't picked off. I mean, Hale came just incredibly close to catching that ball. And I, and I thought that he had, and, and the angles were, or such that it just, you know, he didn't. But, uh, damn, that was just so close. And that would have been, you know, that would have been nice as well. But, uh, yeah, that was an ill-advised pass. There's really no other way to, to call that one. That shouldn't have been thrown up. That easily could have been picked off. You know, we needed points there. We ended up not getting any, which was a big deal as well. But, um, yeah, not a fan of that pass. All right, let's talk about the pass interference for just a second because you mentioned Ridley could have been called. Uh, Hale was held across the middle uh, between the hashes because he had yep. beaten his man. Um, I saw, I believe, two other plays. And once again, for the listeners, we're not we're not being sour grapes here, okay? Because when we go to the defense in a minute, Rashawn Evans should have been called for ripping you know the quarterback's helmet off. I'm sorry. It was the right call. Yeah. It was a dumb play on his part. 
And so we're, we're going to be straight here in how we call this, but, you know, I understand we're away and I understand every call, you know, they can't make every call, but it does seem like there were several pass interference calls that were missed. No, I think, I think you're right. And, and one of the things that, and they went, and they went back and they showed every, every one of them. And, and, uh, you know, Danielson a, a couple of times said, Oof, if I were an Alabama fan, I wouldn't be, you know, happy about that. And, uh, and, and so they were inarguable. It's not us just being sour grapes. Go back and look at the tape. Another thing that, another thing that they said that I was unaware of, uh, and this, this sort of, you know, drives the narrative, I think as well, you know, Kirby Smart had submitted, you know, six or eight specific plays where he thought, uh, you know, the Auburn secondary got away with, you know, some illegal process. And so, so it looks like there's a little bit of a, of a trend there and, you know, sometimes it is what it is. And, and Auburn has always, you know, sort of taken advantage of, of maybe the gray, the gray area between the rules and, it just hurts when that it, it's it sort of bugs you when that's what it, that that's why you lose or that's you know that contributes to the loss and and that that has happened more than once but you know it at the end of the day kind of it is what it is uh, we should have been able to overcome that but you know we've talked about a number of reasons why we weren't so all right so so tell me as far as um, uh, what what else jump what outside on offense do you want to do you want to talk about. Uh, you know, we can talk about Hour coming in when Pierschbacher got, you know, beat up. Uh, it looked like he was punched. Maybe, it, you know, oh, you an article where that could have, you know, you think that could have been uh, flagged. And then the two snaps, uh, there, there was actually uh, footage. And again, not making stuff up. There's footage uh, of uh, uh, Trey Matthews, uh, Auburn defender, um, clapping and, um, and that is uh, supposed to be against the rules, uh, you know, simulating a, uh, you know, simulating the, the defense, uh, simulating the snap. And so it looked like that was uh, that potentially contributed uh, there as well. So, so on the Hassenauer play, first of all, when, when he had to leave with a concussion, um, I mean, do you think that, because obviously, you know, when Pierce Bacher came in, you know, we, we called this on the last show. We said that, you know, they'd try to go with Hassenauer for as long as they could. I think Pierce Bacher did fine when he came in. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, obviously they were trying to keep him out because of the high ankle sprain. Um, and, and as far as, you know, the, the botched snap goes, you know, Saban said in the post game, he said that on third down, he said that Bo had heard somebody clap. Yeah. And in Saban fashion, he said, "I don't know if it was somebody on the offense or somebody on the defense." He's like, "I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers." So that's what you're referring to. But on the fourth down play, you know, Bo clearly goes up to the line of scrimmage and claps. And you know, Saban says in the post game press conference that he's trying to get the offensive lineman's attention when he does so to make sure he has the right call with the offensive line as to you know what the blocking scheme is. And who has the Mike linebacker? And but and then Saban goes on to say, you know, those are two critical plays. And he's like, you know, we probably could have gone with another silent option. We could have just done the leg raise. And David, I, I got to be honest here, man. I'm sitting here thinking, why wouldn't you do the leg raise to begin with? Just take the clapping even out of the out of the play, right? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I I we've heard we've seen the clapping work very very well. I mean, Mississippi State was very, very loud. 
you know, we played down in uh, 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 down at A and M, and they were very very loud there. I don't know that they were any loud. I don't know that Auburn was any louder than either of those two places. If even if they were all sort of equally as loud, right? It worked in those places, so I I don't I don't know that I would expect it not to work, but um, you know when you got footage of of the defense uh, mimicking you know the clap, that's kind of not within the confines of the rules. Right. No, I'm with you. Um, what did you think about you know obviously from a um, and but it is it is surprising that it didn't get called. You know obviously you know. A lot of Jalen's, you know, passing stats, you know, came on that last, you know, 65-yard toss, you know, the last play of the game. Yep. Uh, prior to that, he would only have about 110 yards on the game with 12 completions. Did you think he was having trouble reading the defenses? You know, Saban said in the post game, he said that, you know, that Jalen could have read it better. He said maybe we could have had a better scheme to help him read it better. You know, what What do you think the deal was there? Because, you know, to me, the fact that they could get pressure, well, to me, to me, they were sending four consistently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Jalen was running himself into pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes with the running quarterback, it's hard to block for the guy because you don't know where he's going to be. Like the pocket right. is moving all the time. Right. And I right. think in the second half, he kind of got happy feet. And no, I, I think, think he started moving around a lot, David, and I think it made the offensive lineman's job more difficult. Yeah, I think it can definitely make make the job, you know, more challenging in that regard. I think when you when you run, you you tend to take away half of the field. You know, that you can throw across your body, but you're not, you know, supposed to, right? Uh, and so if you're gonna stand in the pocket, then you have access to the full field and you sort of maximize, um, you know, the pocket and your blockers. They, they know where you're going to be. And then if you have to be mobile at that point, you know, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, then you have to be a little mobile. I get that. Um, but to sort of start out mobile, then you, you can put your offensive lineman at a disadvantage, and then you can take away part of the field. Uh, and then if you have a tendency which way you roll, then it's easy for the defense to sort of cheat that way. So I think those types of things conspired. Uh, look, I take nothing away from the Auburn defense. They're a quality bunch. Uh, their their front is solid. It, they're stout. I mean, their their nose guard just eats up. Uh, you know, the interior of the defense and their secondary. Uh, it seems like they've got you know a number of upperclassmen. Uh, you know, back there. And uh, so that I think they've got a, a real sound, um, you know, set of players. And then Kevin Steele, <clears throat> I mean, he's been around the block or two. He's a pretty good defensive coordinator. So I, I just think they've got a lot of things working for them. And uh, it all just came together on Saturday in a way that, uh, it, you know, in a way that maybe – it hasn't in other parts of the season for him. No, I got you. Um, what else do you have on offense before we, you know, try to do try to find a mini game ball here? Nah, give me a mini game ball. Oh man, um, you know, I think it's kind of tough, uh, just given the nature of of uh, of how things kind of went. <clears throat> I think I'm going to have to give it to Jerry Judy. 
um, just because of his poise under a pressure situation when his team needed it. You know, he gets one reception on the day, but it's a damn big one. And um, we've talked about how successful this guy's going to be. And uh, when the pressure was on and and he needed to deliver uh, for his team, he did. And so I'm going to give it to Jerry. No, that's cool. I am, uh, I'm going to give two. One we've already talked about. Uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Pierce Bacher, uh for the same reason we gave it to Eisenhower uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, Pierce Baker probably came into the game not expecting to play. If he knew that he wasn't going to start and how well, you know, Eisenhower has been playing, he might reasonably have expected that I'm not going to play. Uh, but then early in the game, he came in and, and had to take it over. And, and he wasn't 100%, right? Knowing that he wasn't going to play is also knowing that he's not 100%. Because had he been 100%, then, you know, clearly he would have started. So I give him, the hot, uh, you know, a little bit of hats off for coming in, sort of gutting it out with some injury and, uh, and performing. And I am giving just a very tiny uh, mini game ball, like a super mini game ball, to uh, Devonta Smith. I don't think he registered a stat. I don't think he sort of registered a, a, a play. But on the drive in, uh, you know, coming out of the, the second half, and I had to rewind it, you know, uh, the video a couple of times. But on a couple of the runs, he was downfield, you know, making a block, helping, helping with the block. And it was just like a flash in the background. I was like, what's that? And, and sort of rewind it again. It's like, well, that's that little Devonta Smith. Tommy's been talking about him blocking all season long. And, uh, and he made a couple, uh, he made a couple of, of good blocks uh, on uh, some sex, successful offensive play. So I'm giving just a, a, a little mini game ball to Devonta as well. That's a good call, man. That's, that's why we said that he's, you know, he's, he's on the field. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I would have liked to have seen him on the field more after that drive because we would have been running the ball more. I like well, uh, Saban, Saban calls him Smitty, um, and it's like that's just a Smitty play, you know. That's just that type of sort of dirty, grimy, um, you know, high value but sort of low gratitude type play. That's, I mean, that just sounds like a guy like Smitty is going to make that kind of play, right? No, absolutely, man. We needed we needed more of this uh, in the game for sure. Well, let's 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 flip the field to defense, and you know, just. Tell me, tell me what jumps out at you first, as as far as as far as you know us defensively against them. You know when they had the ball. Well, it's that it's that it's that damn third down again. Uh, you know we allowed uh, you know nine of eighteen uh, third downs. You know they had thirty six minutes uh, time of possession, and so that tells me. Uh, and we've seen games like this before. That just tells me that we're just across the board. We're not playing sound. We're not fitting. We're playing sloppy. Those are that's just that's just the hallmark of s- sloppy defensive play. Well, that's what has been that that's one of these things that that Alabama's defense has been known for over the years, right? Is right. its ability to get off the field. Yep. And, you know, we we talked at the beginning of the season about the defensive line, and we talked about the front seven and the the you know the 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 players that they had lost. And, you know, a game like this, well, I'll say this. In the last three big games against LSU, Mississippi State, and now Auburn, 
is where we have really seen the losses of Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, and yes. Jonathan Allen. Yes. No offense to Auburn's front four. They can't hold the water bucket for Jonathan Allen, Tim Williams, and Ryan Anderson. No way near the talent of those three guys. And so last year, we could get pressure with four guys, and we could be able to sit back and um, and make it difficult for the quarterback. And this team has had to try to manufacture pressure with their linebackers, which is why in the Florida State game, you know, we were able to get, you know, five sacks from those linebackers who went on to get hurt mm-hmm. and have been gone until this game. And, um, you know, they, they, they talked about it afterwards. I mean, you know, we had to – Jeremy Pruitt had to consistently send five or six guys to try to get to the quarterback – and he couldn't do it. And so then we were left playing man-to-man. Almost wish we would have tried to go more zone because, you know, Mika obviously wasn't 100%. Mm-hmm. Mika was obviously, you know, playing close to the line of scrimmage. And, um, you know, I, with just like we said about, you know, Brian Dayball, just to be fair to Jeremy Pruitt, I don't think we really mixed it up in the second half. I don't think we did anything different. I mean – Literally, we let Jared Stidham, you know, complete 16 of 20 in the first half. Coming into the second half, I expected some wrinkles there, and I expected us to do something different, and I don't feel like we did. I think we just kept trying to to, to bring pressure and uh, manufacture pressure, and, um, you know, it wasn't successful. No, it wasn't. Uh, we sent Minka, it seems like, a lot. Uh, it got, I thought, pretty predictable when you would see him sort of, sort of walk up. Um, you know, a lot of times he'll back up, back off in the coverage, but it seemed that when we walked him up, he was going. And I, I, you know, it, that seemed a little bit predictable to me. And uh, yeah, and we didn't manu, you know, you talk about manufacture because we can't, but I don't, I don't know that we sort of manufactured pressure in the way that we, you know, did in other games. Uh, you know, I saw some stunts that, 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 uh, that we ran against Mercer that, uh, that we did not run. Uh, against Auburn that I think, you know, could have could have been effective. And then, you know, even with the pass rushers, sort of the designated, you know, pass rush linebackers, and it's – I want to be careful, you know, I'm not putting too much pressure on these guys because they've been out all season. And they were – in. they seem to be in there a lot. Sort of the bang for the buck wasn't there. I hesitate to think, you know, how would the defense have looked had they not been there because would you have gotten the same out of – you know, Holcomb and, you know, Jamie Mosley and, you know, Christopher Allen, I, I don't know that you would have. So, uh, I mean, I'm not disappointed they play. Don't get me wrong. I just um, – but, you know, we talked about using them in as a des- designated, you know, Tim Williams type role. I don't think we saw a lot of that. Well, I think we saw Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis come in every, you know, third series or so mm-hmm. in situations here and there. But I have to say, I thought we should have seen Jamie Mosley. Yeah. The fact that we didn't see him in this game surprises me because yeah. Jamie Mosley um, on the edge, putting pressure on the quarterback as the season has progressed, has shown an ability to do that and has shown an ability to be successful doing that. And so take nothing away from Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis but I think Jamie Mosley has earned the right to have gotten snaps in this game, and it kind of surprises me that he did not. 
Yeah, I'll buy that. I, I, I'll definitely buy that. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, we talked about Dylan Moses uh, being a, a critical player, uh, replacing, you know, some of the injured injured linebackers. And I thought he played well. Uh, he got a little dinged up, but, you know, he put up 10 tackles. Uh, I thought Dylan played, uh, I thought Dylan played pretty well in this game. He's, he's, he's growing up fast late in this season. And so I look forward to, I look forward to seeing how he sort of blows up next year, but uh, I like, I like what I'm seeing out of him, you know, the last two weeks. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you, man, take nothing away from Dylan Moses. Okay. But part of the reason he filled up the stat sheet is because carry on Johnson ran the ball 30 times. Well, and so if you're a middle linebacker, you're going to fill up the stat sheet either from an assist or from a solo tackle if you've got a lot of opportunities in the middle. And the reason I say that real quick is because Dylan Moses, you know, did everything that he could in this game. But this game, you saw the loss of Sean Dion Hamilton. And that's probably oh, the first yeah. thing I should have led with because yeah. Saban, Saban talked after the game about how. He was, you know, they were pressuring. They were pressuring the quarterback, and they were not leaving a linebacker in the middle of the defense, you know, to to cover the crossing patterns. And Auburn was picking us apart. And do you remember we talked about last year? We talked about Reuben Foster and Reggie Raglan, yep. and we talked about they were big, physical linebackers. And 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 playing, uh, and I beg your pardon. Two years ago, we talked about this that they were big physical linebackers and playing in space um, and trying to cover running backs out of the backfield was not their was not their bag, yes. right? Yes. Yep. Well, guess what? A young Dylan Moses and a young Mac Wilson who just had his foot operated on after the LSU game thing, is right? not their bag. Yep. There was one play. Uh, to a small white receiver who, well, small receiver who reminded me of the kid from Clemson who picked us apart in the national championship game on a key third down play. He comes across the middle. Mac Wilson pops him. Uh, then he bounces off Mac Wilson, spins around the balls right there because it's thrown perfectly, and he gets a key first down. Yep. And 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 I don't even really hold it against Mac Wilson, right? I mean, it's like. It's one thing to play inside linebacker and play the run, but it's a whole different thing against a team that throws the ball the way they do, who now has a quarterback who can throw, unlike last year, who couldn't hit the side of a barn. And I'm sorry, I think Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson were set up for failure there in the middle. And so just like on those plays, in other words, so just like Jamie Mosley should have been in more on third down situations, I think Keith Holcomb should have been too. I think Keith Holcomb should have been in the damn game on third and five and third and seven and third and nine, and he should have been in the middle of that defense where he has shown he can be successful on nickel formations, and I think he would have helped us with the passing game. Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a definite role for those two players, and you know they might not have gotten a whole lot of snaps but there there were opportunities for their tickets to be punched right the roles that they play could have or the roles that they fill could have been leveraged uh you know a handful of times on Saturday man there was a play where Dylan Moses you know sprained his ankle right yep and he came out of the game 
So you see Mac Wilson come back in the game, and that's when that play happened I just described. Dylan Moses is on the sideline getting his ankle taped up as good as they can. And then shortly thereafter, you see Dylan Moses back in the game. And I'm sitting here thinking, where was Keith during all this? I'm sorry. Keith right. could have given them some breathers on third and long and gotten them off the field and let them play the run, and he could have played the pass. So why do you think they did that for Mosley and Holcomb? I mean, I think that's a big deal. No, I think that it is. I think uh, um, I think it's the athleticism. It's an unsatisfying answer because it's it's a little bit of hindsight and it's a little bit of it's just my opinion, right? But I I think we're going for the athletic upside, and so Mac and Dylan. And we talked about this a little bit, you know, last week, maybe before we knew Mac was going to come back. But athletically, I'll take Mac and Dylan ahead of Holcomb, right? And athletically, yeah, I'll take yes. I'll take Terrell and Christian ahead of Jamie Mosley. I know athleticism isn't the end all be all because you know knowing your assignment and being able to play a particular role and having a high floor uh, is really what Saban goes for, but. But uh, I think that, it, and again, do we call this outthinking ourselves? Let's put the more athletic guy out there because we got to have him in this game versus, no, our process, our system is we want the highest floor out there. And we've got a couple of guys that may like the upside, but they've been playing and contributing all season long, and they have a high floor relative to what we need done on these particular plays. I, I, I agree with what you said, and that's what it should have been, and I think they outthought themselves. Yeah. Hey, let me talk about Levi Wallace. Just to be fair, uh, we talked about his great story and everything he's endured to, to get to where he is as a walk-on. This was his worst game he's played since he was kind of first getting out of there on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I mean – okay, let me, let me back up. Levi Wallace played a good game. There was a couple of plays that – you know, were lapses, you know, I'm just trying to call what I see no, here. No, 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 I understand. And, and so, you know, nobody played a perfect game. Uh, but on the play to the sideline, you know, you got to be physical and, and tackle the guy. Um, we didn't have the tackling from our DBs that, that we have grown accustomed to under Coach Saban. So he gives up another 25 yards because the guy spins away. And then on that wildcat – Tim Tebow jump stupid yes. play, you know, he totally left his man uncovered. And uh, I just got to call that out because those were a couple key plays. And and we talked about other guys like Robert Foster, et cetera, and you talked about lackadaisical. I, I, I think the better way to say this is we had several situations where there were several lapses across the board at different times from different players. And when you string them all together – you can't win a game against a top 10 team on the road. And uh, this is just not what we're used to seeing with Alabama. No, it's, it's, and you're right. And both of those plays, he, he, you know, Levi definitely dropped the ball on those, those two plays. Uh, he would agree with that. Uh, the rest of his performance, I thought was, I thought was pretty good, but, but your, your point is this, and we've said this, the analogy that comes to my mind is something we probably said three or four years ago about, um, you know, a lineman having a false start, right? And if you say, well, you know, it was just one false start, it's not that big of a deal. 
well, okay, but not everybody gets to have a false start, right? <laughs> you know, you can't have five false All starts five in the course of the game, right? Right. right. And so and so, if you're going to have a lapse, okay, that's fine. But you can't. Everybody doesn't get to have one, right? We get one for the team. <laughs> not everybody get one. And so it seemed like we had. Well, Levi is going to take two, and then somebody else is going to take one. And it's like, well, hey guys, wait a second. We the these start materially impacting possessions. Uh, as opposed to just you know one or two plays over the course of a ball game. No, absolutely, man, and 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 that's where I think when you put it all together, and I and I think you know um, you talked about Minka going, you know, coming in uh, blitzing the quarterback off the edge. You know, just to go back to that for a second, I think that had more to do with we don't want him in coverage, right? We don't mm-hmm. want him cutting and all with his hammy, and I think it was easier to send him after the quarterback. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree, then, which, again, it, contributed to that being predictable. Yes, but if Minka from a few weeks ago is healthy, who's flying all over the ball, right, I think there's a different impact in this game, obviously. Now, do you think because we were playing man-to-man, you know, cornerbacks on the island, the way we play, and we were trying to go after the quarterback and, and raise the pressure because we couldn't get to him with four guys – you know, why do you think they didn't go to the zone at some point uh, or try to give some, you know, or bracket Ryan Davis? You know, how, how do we let this one guy get 11 catches in the game? I mean, nobody else really did anything to us. I mean, the other guys had, you know, two catches and three catches and one catch. How, how does Ryan Davis get 11 catches on the game? I, I think I think the Minka circumstance probably has something to do with that. But, yeah, 11 catches for a single guy. Um, that's tough, right? I mean, that really is. But uh, yeah, I think a, we've only I, had a handful of games, right, under Saban, <laughs> where a receiver has done that kind of mess. Yeah, not very many, and uh, I think it probably had something to do with with Minka's injury and playing him closer to the line of scrimmage and and putting him in where um, how do I say this in a way that makes sense? Where if you're going to get after the quarterback then you know what you're doing. Like, you know where your steps are, are are taking you. If you're covering someone, there's more fluidity in when you might have to cut, adjust. And if you're nursing, uh, uh, you know, a hamstring, um, the straight line running is safer, easier, more predictable than in coverage. And so I think had he been more 100%, he would have been flying around there, like you're saying, and his flying around there would have included – covering uh, the slot receiver a lot more, and then dude doesn't get 11 catches. Well, I almost wonder, had he been healthy, would we have would we have bracketed, you know, somebody on him? Right. You know, just to, just to prevent, uh, you know, just to, just to prevent that type of, uh, you know, that type of a situation. Right. Well, talk to me about Rashawn Evans real quick. Obviously, Rashawn Evans, uh, I think, you know, was out there on a lot of plays, and uh, was in on a lot of plays, and, and I think he gave it all he could in this game. Um, do you think the quarterback situation with the unsportsmanlike conduct was was that just a um, was that just a, a situation where you know the play just got out of hand? What do you think that was? I think it's one of those plays, um, and this could have happened. This is not. I'm not saying this because it was Auburn. This could have happened between any two teams, any player. Uh, any two teams, uh, we want to protect the quarterbacks. I get it. Um, I don't have a problem with it. 
And so sometimes things look worse than they are. And so when the quarterback gets up and his helmet's been knocked off, then he must have been hit in a way that is, is against the rules. And that was just not, that was simply just not true here. Uh, Rashawn came at him from a little bit from behind and came over the top and, and just, just sheer the momentum of how he hit him, the direction in which he hit him and the way Sidham was sort of leaned forward that it just removed his helmet. And, it, it wasn't like he came high to you, though. I mean, he had his he, he was he was kind of high there with his with his arms there. I mean, he was kind of right under his helmet. Nah, I, I don't I don't think I don't think you know. And even the announcers are like, oh, I didn't see anything there. It just it's just one of those things that looked worse when the quarterback gets up and doesn't have his helmet on. Or at, at this point, we're kind of trained to believe that that must have been a foul. That must be flag worthy. And so, you know, they threw it, and I don't think that's reviewable. And so, you know, there there you have it. But I don't think it was – I don't think that was egregious. And they could have done that to us, or that could have been two other teams. This That's not me not liking Auburn. That's just – that's just sometimes a football play is, is a football play versus, hey, that's a violent play that we need to take out of the game. Um, I think – I think it's okay there to be for there to be a difference in that, and I think it's okay that a football play sometimes looks worse than it really is, and that's just one of those uh, that that sometimes they're still going to pop you for those. And I think I think he we uh, the you know Alabama got popped for one that probably probably wasn't nearly as bad as it looked. Okay, well I think from. From different angles, it, it looked to me as if he went higher than he needed to. I, I think he put himself in jeopardy of getting that call. I think if he had gone lower, I think he would have, you know, prevented that from happening. Um, it, it was a bad time because it allowed them to sustain the drive and get in field goal range and, mm-hmm. and answer after we had just, you know, driven the ball down their throat. Yep. Uh, so it allowed them to get points on the board to start the second half, which, you know, was bad from a momentum standpoint. Um uh, obviously, let's talk about Hootie Jones for just a quick second. Um, you know, it looked like he got hit right on his kneecap, yep. um, you know, by the fullback uh, right there at the end of the game. They they say now it's a sprained MCL that he didn't tear his ACL. Uh, have you heard anything else about, about the injury? I've heard partial tear, uh, and I've heard not as bad as it looked. So – you know, whatever sort of that combination is. That, that, and I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It wasn't sprain. They said it was a partial tear of the MCL, which yeah. obviously is better than the ACL. Right, right, right. Okay, so we heard the same thing. So that that's good. Um, I know, I know, I know. I will probably get comments that I'm being sour grapes guy, and I hate that because that's not who I want to be. But that was a cheap shot. That hit was a cheap shot. He's yeah, he our went- least physical defender, and you go and and take out his knee. He perfectly went and put his helmet right on his yes. knee. Yes. Yeah. That now, now look, I, I, and you and I. That's not where we were taught to block. That's no, not no, no, no. And block. you and I will sometimes disagree on what's a football play and what's a play that needs to be taken out of the game, right? That's a play that needs to be taken out of the game. Players have to protect one another. They have to not play with malice 
And when you put your helmet in someone's knee, right on the knee, it's I mean, hard to say. To yeah, yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard to say that you're doing anything but trying to hurt somebody. And pop him, knock him on his ass, or or position block him, and and just stay in front of him. All of that's fine. All of that's okay. And and look, I'm not mad at Hootie, but he's our least physical defender. So he's the last guy you'd need to go out there and feel like you have to have some extra mustard on your sandwich. Because he, because he will, he's subject to being blocked. I don't, and I don't mean that in any other way than just he's not the guy you need to take his knee out. And and to right. me, it just was a cheap shot. No, I, I think that um, uh, I do think that he went for his knee, put his helmet right on his knee, and um, just like they did with the horse collar, I think they've got to take that out of the game. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, but I mentioned this to you because obviously. You know, if this team, as this team plays their next game, you know, that creates another situation where if Mika comes back and, and gets healthy again, you know, Mika's going to have to move back into the safety role. And now you're going to, you know, have to, he's going to have to vacate the star role. And, and I'm sorry that, that you really need him at the star role. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be, it, it could be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. And so, you know, I, I think it's the safe assumption is that Hootie won't be back. It's just not as bad as it could have been. And so, you know, he's looking at, you know, four or five months recovery as opposed to a year. So that's great. Um, you know, certainly, you know, certainly from him. But then what do you do? Do you do something with Deontay Thompson? Do you, you know, do you move – you know, do you move, um, you know, Minka, like you said, you know, Daniel Wright played some uh, earlier in the season and, in, in, you know, dime, you know, formations when, you know, when Minka was – Bring in Xavier McKinney. You do, you do some move with McKinney. And so I, I think there's options, and, and this will be – this will be late, obviously late in the season. We're talking, you know, even, even bowls. And let's talk about that specifically in just a minute. But for bowls – you know, we're talking a month, right? Almost, well, a month from now, right? And so, at least, and and so you get all sort of bowl preparation, which is almost like having another, you know, spring practice or, or or something. And so, you have a lot of options and opportunities because the players that you're talking about maybe leveraging have practice all season long, and then they're going to get a whole another like 20 practices before a game. Uh, and those can be very intentionally sort of game planned and the things that we're teaching you for this opponent. And so I think you have more options and you have a greater opportunity to leverage those options because of the practice time. I got you. Um, what else do you want to mention on defense uh, before we uh, before we do uh, game balls? I'm ready to hit many game balls if, uh, if you want to jump us into that. Nope, I'm going to let you go first. So um, – you know, there's two guys I probably, you know, do want to mention. I'm going to do, in in the spirit of the mini game ball, um, I'm going to go Deshaun Hand. And and I'm, I'm picking him not because he had like a stud outstanding performance, but he was active on Saturday in a way that I've not seen a lot out of him this season. And I know we missed some time from injury. And he's coming back from that and probably felt as healthy Saturday as he has, you know, 
in six weeks. But even at the beginning of the season, he seemed more active on Saturday than than he has throughout the season. And, you know, his numbers weren't spectacular. He had four tackles. Uh, he's had less than that. Uh, and, he, and he racked up a sack. Um, and uh, and so that was good to, to see him get that. But I'm giving it to Deshaun Hand because I, I just think he contributed and participated Saturday in ways that we haven't seen from him in quite a while. All right, so you doing two game balls on defense or just one? Uh, I'm going to hope that you hit my guy with your mini game ball. Okay. Um, so I am going to um, – you know, this is kind of tough. There, There is a couple guys that I think um, uh, contributed uh, in a big way depth-wise – uh, as far as the as far as the the game, you know, I I think I'm probably I think I'm probably going to have to go. My my first intuition is to go with Raquan Davis, who might not be your guy. Um, obviously, you know, he's worked his way into the rotation. Um, he finished with uh, you know five tackles on the day, two solo tackles. Um, you know, there's some headline guys in front of him who obviously you know filled up the stat sheet a little more. Uh, but I think that he made some good plays in this game. Uh, he set the edge. Um, I think he tried to control the line of scrimmage, you know, from from his point of attack. And, um, you know, that's where I think I'm going to go with my mini game ball. So, Raekwon, you know, we had a phase in the season where it just felt like he was getting better every week. And I still think he – I still think he, you know, obviously is improving. But he's reached a really nice level where he is consistently contributing every week. So do, do you feel like I have found myself thinking this, you know, who gets the mini game ball? I have found many weeks where I felt like I could give the mini game ball to Raekwon every week because the, the sort of the level at which he's contributing. Well, I think Raekwon, you know, there he's got a high ceiling, and I think yes. there's more time for him. Um, you know, guys like Deron Payne and Isaiah Bugs did not, you know, they did not flash the way – that you know we kind of needed to them to in this game, if you get what I mean. Yeah, pain did um, a little bit, but not didn't sustain it. And bugs, I was almost gonna ask where has he been, but yeah. No, I mean I'm just saying both of those guys, you know, were playing against a you know a veteran offensive line, um, you know a, a, a line that's got you know four seniors on it, and um, you know they've been around for a while, and um, but it just you know just. We we needed a little bit more from those guys than yeah. you know, than we got in this game. Yeah, talk to me. Talk to me about special teams because I, I want to first start. You know, once again, we talked about Robert Foster and we talked about Levi Wallace and we talked about you know Jalen and and you know his decisions. Like there was a time Jalen ran out of bounds and and lost several yards mm-hmm. instead of throwing the ball away. Right, and we talk about the false starts and we talk about all the little you know things that happen. We talked about the cumulative effort of all this. Well, one of these is damn JK. You know, no yeah. offense to your boy JK, but you know, most of the times you see a backup quarterback as a holder. And so unfortunately, you know, he bobbles a uh, you know, a good snap there, uh, which would have been a really important three points to get, you know, in that situation. You know, that was just unfortunate. Yeah, it's it it just, you know, it's like it's like the movie Airplane, right? I picked a hell of a day to stop sniffing glue. You know, I picked a hell of a day to stop drinking. I 
picked a hell of a day to stop taking pills, right? <laughs> well, we, t- we picked a hell of a day for everyone to have their screw up, right? It's just kind of – Like a season's worth of screw-ups in one damn football game. Right. And uh, and it's like, well, you know, we picked a heck, heck of a day to have our first botched – Of the season. Snap in – Yeah. In how long? A long <laughs> I mean, time. Like, yes. seriously. Like, Cole Mazza was a four-year starter. I don't remember a botched snap in his. So, we're going way back. Right. Um, I, You know. And he tried to he tried to have composure. He tried to you know make a play with the ball to his credit, but the, you know that was just that was just really really bad timing because we could have at least you know kept it a three point game yep. at that point. Yeah, I, it's it's just one of those things. It's hard to it's hard to sort of point a finger at exactly what it is. And I'm not a special teams coach, and sort of the battery that they have there was the ball not placed right. Was he not ready? Was was I don't. It just, it's just, damn it! This never happens, and and then here it is, and it was already going to be. I can't remember what the distance was. It was already going to be, you know, a long kick. So, so I don't know. No, I'm with you. Well, so so then so then talk to me about talk to me real quick about Josh Jacobs. Why why do you think he was back there on kickoff returns with Trayvon Diggs instead of Rugs? Well, well, instead of Rugs, that's an interesting one. I I, I don't. I mean, Josh being back there, he, he, he did your thing where he you know he he lost free yards a couple times. So why do you think he was back there? I th- well, I think the returning thing is, and so why was he back there um, for the first know, time this season? Right, like why now against Auburn did, did they put him back there? He was back there a little bit against Mercer, and uh, and and so I think he's I think we've kind of worked him in a little bit, and and certainly in practice, you know, it, at uh, at kick returns. Look, I think this, I think Auburn's coverage, and this is this is it goes back to are we outthinking ourselves? Auburn's uh, coverage teams have been a little suspect. And so I think we I think we said let's get someone back there who can operate in space. Uh, Jacobs is you know probably a really good example of that. Uh, and let's see if we can't try to sort of flip the field, get us an extra first down in uh, kickoffs. And and we never did. Now. In punting, I was surprised because we asked the question last week. You know, this job is is um, you know Xavier Marks, right? And as soon as we said yes, then we tried Trayvon out there, who hasn't you know done that in a couple of weeks, and 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 he probably has a really nice return. And so it's a little bit of are we out thinking? And maybe we were, and then it you know worked a little bit on a punt. I don't know. It's the kind of thing, and I will admit to having sort of a, neg- a negative double standard on this. If another team did that, uh, and I'm just talking two teams at random. I'm not, it doesn't care that it's Alabama and Auburn. If two teams at random did that, and you and and the announcer said, "Oh, this team struggles at coverage, and this other team never returns kicks back," but look at that, they're returning kicks back to sort of take advantage of that. Then I might look at that and say, "Well, that's clever coaching." We do that, and I say, "Gosh, are we just out thinking the room?" And so I know that I have sort of a negative, spiraling double standard on that. I don't know; it just almost feels like cheap that we did it. But if someone else did it, I would have complimented their 
their coaching staff. So I don't know. You're gonna have to straighten me out on that one. No, I mean I just I, I, I do see that that they probably tried to put Josh back there for the reasons you mentioned. It just seemed a little bit it just seemed a little too cutesy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Auburn came into this game and they knew they were gonna call some gimmicky plays and they did and some worked. And um, you know, they were pulling out all the stops to win the game, right? And that's just not who we are. And that just seemed a little bit to a mild version a little gimmicky. Right. So yeah. Um, you know, JK had a good day, only punted the ball four times. You know, he had a really nice bounce on that first punt, so it went sixty-four yards. You know, I, I felt like, you know, the other thing I have to mention real quick is is, you know, man, maybe this is how we should have started the theme of this show, but you know, Damian Harris, who has done a lot for this team. You know, he had his own laps on a key punt play where he jumps off sides. Ah, yes, yes. Right? Yep. I mean, we got to talk about that for a quick second, to be fair. I mean, that, that lines up with all the other plays. J.K. Scott, Mr. Consistency. Damian Harris, Mr. Consistency. You know, Matt Womack, you know, who's had a good season with a false start. You know, different guys. You know, Levi Wallace, who's done a hell of a job this year, had, had some, you know, lapses. I mean, you know, what's up with that? I mean, that was that was just bad timing. Allowed them to sustain the ball. You know, the more of these you, you know, we've talked about, we've got sort of things that we've got a season's worth of sort of mishaps, and and then and then you call out another one. It reminds me of um, what's the season? Was it 2010 um, when we jumped out on? Uh, it was in Tuscaloosa. We jumped out on Auburn. You know, ten to you know. 20 21 to nothing and and then went on to you know Trent Richardson not being able to score from the three the ball fumbles out of the end of the end zone after Mark Ingram has a long run um you know Mark Barron misses you know a a play because you know he separated his shoulder and these inexplicable things all happened and sort of conspired uh and ended up costing the game none of the things or are few of the things in this game were as dramatic as any of those, but they all sort of conspired together in in a way that I don't want to say cost us the game in quite the same way, but certainly certainly put a damper on the tide's performance, which could have impacted the outcome. Individually uh, none of these things cost us the game, but right. as we're sitting here talking about all these together but they add them absolutely up. Absolutely contributed when you add them together. I think you know, and again, I don't mean that to be sour grapes. I just, I just, as you were saying that, I was like, damn, that's another one that makes me remember of this uh, this other game. And in that other game, none of those individually would have, but taken together, they most certainly did. Um, and here, just it just has a. I mean, we were kicking their ass in that game, and then those things here. It was more of I don't even call it more of an even game because they were they were outplaying us, um, so it's not apples for apples, but still, <laughs> still you cut those miscues in half and and I think we're looking at something a little bit different than what we got. No, absolutely. I, I just wanted to mention that real quick because that was just another example of you know of a situation where just a, a mishap just you know makes a you know makes a big difference kind of right. deal. Right. Anything else you got on special teams? No, I don't. You know, we talked about uh, you know the kicks. I, I definitely wanted to talk about that and and the botch snap. Um, you know, I was I was going to sort of flip us to you know what does the rest of the season hold uh, unless you have something 
You want no, to go, no, go ahead, man. Give me, give me your thoughts on that. So now, now the fate of now that now we're in the committee's hands, which uh, unfortunately is not a good place to be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what is what do coaches always say, right? You know, make it clear for the official. Don't, don't put yourself in the, in a place where the official is making, you know, sort of the decision. Uh, be very clear that, uh, that you've scored or you've tackled or whatever it is, you know, so it's very evident. And, 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 and here we are as a team, uh, the season sort of hangs in that type of balance, right? Where we could have made it clear and, and we did not. And so when, as of this recording, the, uh, you know, the rankings have come out, the committee has, has come out and Alabama is fifth. And so there are worse places that we could be than fifth, but you want to be in the top four. And so Tommy, that leaves us as Alabama fans in a very precarious sort of conflicted situation on, on the one hand, obviously we would love an opportunity to play in the SEC championship. On the other hand, Huh, boy, it gives us an opportunity to rest some guys because we're at least going to play in a bowl game, right? And so let's get them all healthy. But as we sit down and we enjoy the games or try to sort of suffer through the games on Saturday, we're left with, you know, a couple of options, right? Because we need somebody in the top four to lose to put us in position to get in. And so, you know, TCU could knock out Oklahoma. I'd probably give low odds on that, but that'd be nice to – that would be nice to see. Um you know, rooting for Ohio State to beat Wisconsin just kind of feels dirty, hoping that Ohio State wins a game. Um, and then there would be the, you know, I think they're at eight. And so if they were to beat Wisconsin, would they sort of leapfrog us? I don't know the answer to that question, but, you know, we need Wisconsin to lose. And so we'll kind of find ourselves rooting there for for Ohio State. And probably the dirtiest position that I that I have that is, is are we in a position where we actually need Auburn to win so that our loss is to the SEC champion to, to, to sort of help things sort of balance out and, and grease the skids if it's us and another team looking for that fourth spot. So it just feels like I'm going to need to watch the game in my bathtub or something. That's kind of how I net out. Okay, so that's a visual that none of us need. No, I, um, no, I agree. So, I'm just saying. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I, I think the only – uh, the only shot that that I think we have in this is the Oklahoma TCU and the Wisconsin Ohio State game, because if Clemson wins, they're in. Yeah. Uh, I think if Auburn wins, they're in. Even though they have two losses, I, I think that they will put them in. Um, I think if Georgia beats Auburn, they're also in, because I think they'll get the nod over us. And so, and I think if Miami beats Clemson, I think Miami's in. Yeah. Because Miami's going to have a better resume. And so I think we're in a situation where you and I both know this committee was put in place because of the dominant play of the SEC. Yep. And this all started back when Alabama played LSU in yep. New Orleans, and they said, you know, this isn't going to happen again. And so I think due to the success this program has had, you know, they're going to they're gonna try everything they can not to put them in the top four and to leave them right at five. And, uh, and try to go from there. And so, you know, Wisconsin has to lose or Oklahoma has to lose. Uh, I actually think maybe both of them have to lose uh, for Alabama to get a shot. Because I think if Oklahoma loses to TCU, which I don't think they will, 
Uh, but if they do, I mean, TCU lost to them 38-20 to 20, uh, before. Um, and so if Oklahoma – would knock out the Big 12. That would – I'm sorry. Yeah, the Big 12. That would knock out the Big 12. And I think, I think that that would put us in. Well, I think if Oklahoma and Wisconsin both lose, yeah, then Alabama has a better chance of getting one of those two spots. I think if only one of those games don't go our way, then it's a coin toss. And so if Oklahoma wins, which I think they do, and if Wisconsin you know, loses to Ohio State – which is still not a gimme because Wisconsin has shown an ability to run the ball and they're going to do to Ohio State what we should have done to Auburn. But if by some chance Wisconsin loses in a close game to Ohio State, the committee, I think, is going to do everything in their power to put somebody else in there instead of us. And so I, I would put our, you know, you know, Vegas has got our odds right now at four to one of winning the national championship game, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. And so – I'm just not as bullish on that, man. I, I think we probably have about a 25% chance of making the top four. Yeah, I I probably put it a little bit more than that. Uh, the committee's got, you know, to to paraphrase what I heard you say, if the committee thinks they have an Alabama problem, well, they have an Ohio State problem in the same way. And they have to look no further than last year when, you know, they bumped – uh, they put Ohio State into the playoff ahead of Penn State, the conference champion, who also beat Ohio State. Uh, and and so, you know, there's a lot of sort of transitive there that uh, would you put Ohio State ahead of Alabama when the, the storyline that got Ohio State in last year is really the storyline that would get Alabama in this year. And sort of hold them out, and so that's that's sort of an interesting thing. I think if both Wisconsin and uh, Oklahoma lose, then it's a one hundred percent chance. Uh, two spots have been cleared. We're sitting at five. We would get one of them. If Wisconsin wins, then they hold the spot they've got. And if Wisconsin wins and only TCU beats Oklahoma then I think we just move up into that one spot. No one else would fly over us uh, to get that spot. TCU is not moving, you know, that that far ahead. And so we would get in, I think, in that scenario. If Oklahoma wins and Ohio State beats Wisconsin, that's where it gets iffy. And that's where it really comes down to does the committee leapfrog um, Ohio State, or do they just move up uh, us up, up one? And that's where it gets the trickiest because in that scenario, let's assume Auburn. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter Auburn or Georgia, but uh, um, you know you have the you have the potential there that you know if Auburn wins, they're the first two loss team to get in. Ohio State beats Wisconsin, and then they're going to put Ohio State in. You know that would be a second two law two loss team that gets in, but then if you put us in instead of them, then it's the first time that you have uh, two teams from the same conference in the playoff, and so there's the opportunity for two things. And I get that it's only four years into the playoff, but there's a very real opportunity that two things that have not yet happened happen this year. You could get a two loss 
uh, SEC champion uh, and, as well as two SEC teams in. And that would be that would make for a compelling storyline. And then what if what if we had the opportunity to rematch with Auburn for all the marbles? You know, I was just going to say that, and some of the listeners might not, might not agree with me here, but you know, I, I don't want to hear anything about you know if we have a chance to make it in the final four and somehow win win the win the whole thing. You know, I don't want to hear that. You know, but Auburn beat us during the season, and so I personally. I only want to make it in the four if Auburn's one of the four and if we get to play them for all the marbles. Yeah. That's that's the only way I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to have to take Auburn down to win it. Well, I definitely want to get in and, you know, and, and kind of once you're in, it doesn't matter who you play because it's, it's about what you're playing for. But, yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> and then the whole country would hate it again because it would be SEC against SEC like it was, you know, six years ago. Well, and and look, there's there's a reality here, um, and you know, and and this is you and I know this, right? And and so this is easy to kind of look up. But when did uh, when did NCAA baseball? Uh, when did they move to the super regionals and they added the extra rounds and 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 all of that stuff? It was following LSU and Alabama playing in the College World Series. Yeah, that was 1999. Yeah. And I still say if Roberto Vaz hadn't have broken his foot, we would have won that. But that's a whole other thing. But to uh, your point, four of the final eight teams to make it to Omaha was the SEC. Right. And the whole story there was this can't be. We, we can't have four teams from one conference. Right. It's not of fair. The best eight. It's not fair that the best teams are all from the same conference. Well, I don't know. It should be the best teams. But, but at any rate, that's what precipitated the Super Regionals to sort of weed out uh, number of teams from a conference. And then, you know, wasn't it interesting? We're never going to go to a college playoff. LSU and Alabama play again, and and they vote for the playoff almost like the next week or something. You know, something just outrageous. You know, the same people who who stood on their desk and said this will never happen were the same people like, you know, picketing the, the offices to, to make it happen. So, um, so yeah, it you know, if you want expansion, you know, let Alabama and Auburn meet for the title again. Uh, everyone rooting for expansion, that's what they should root for. Well, everyone knows the SEC is the best conference in football, and uh, this was their way to just try to, you know, even the playing field. Yep. Well, I guess if we get to, if we get two in, then I guess we over-evened it, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, man, uh, do we uh, have any uh, – have any uh, feedback from the listeners this week? Yes, we did get uh, we did get a review on iTunes, and so I want to give a shout out to Grim Manager, O three eight six, best resource for Bama fans. If you love uh, if you love Alabama football, you will love this podcast. I look forward to it every week, and I'm always impressed with the way they break down each game. Uh, I like the mini game balls and how obscure players are highlighted. Uh, these players turn up the next year as stars and future NFL draft picks. I only wish there was more than once, uh, one episode a week, but uh, I understand that. But uh, thanks for the hard work, guys. I, I love when people enjoy the mini game ball, and I love sort of the extra juice he put on that and said, you know, those are the guys that end up being the stars the following season. That's pretty cool. No, man, that's the, that's the whole spirit behind the mini game balls. And uh, that's why we started it to begin with. And 
we we appreciate your feedback and and thanks for sharing your thoughts and uh, just helping us get the message out to you know to to future listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And I will I'll say this: if if you guys if you know if you folks are still listening at this point of this podcast, <laughs> then then we just embrace you because holy cow, this was not a fun one to do. Uh, I can only imagine uh, if you know if you're listening if you're voluntarily listening to it, <laughs> that's not a lot of fun either. Uh, this is, these these losses we don't have to do very many of them but geez they get they're less and less fun to do uh, this one was especially uh, painful so we appreciate you sticking with us and uh, drop us an email or drop us uh, you know uh, a review and let us know that uh, that you appreciated it and uh, that'd be good to hear and obviously if you have any questions hit us up on uh, the uh, the email box uh, Alabama football podcast at uh, gmail.com and uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure when our new next show is going to be. A lot of that's going to be game dependent, uh, but uh, we can definitely put together uh, an article for the website, or we can kick back some emails uh, to uh, to address questions as they come in because we certainly do enjoy that. So, Tom, any sort of closing thoughts as um, the regular season of 2017 is already over? I'm not exactly sure where it went, but it's already over. Man, it, it 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 did fly by. Uh, I think that you know, being in five is a good position. Uh, we we have four championship games to watch, and uh, you know, if if one of the four break our way, then I think we get a chance to get back in there, and um, hopefully we can, and then hopefully we can have a month to get guys like Minka healthy, so we can play full strength against full strength, and uh, I think it would be a different football game. Yes. I think, uh, yeah, I think the team would have um, an incredible, incredible amount of, uh, you know, motivation were that to be the, the scenario. And so, um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. And uh, maybe we'll get to do uh, some sort of preview, uh, you know, leading into what is hopefully a playoff. So stay tuned and uh, watch out for that. But, um, yeah, hey, everyone, thanks for listening. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.